will be teaching from Galatians 3, 1 through 6 today. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with your faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous. Thanks, Kelly. Um, <clears throat> I find myself once again uh, intimidated by a passage of Scripture that I have to come and uh, teach. So, as such, let me, uh, let me pray for myself and for us this morning. God, I thank you for your word and your scripture that's come to us. Father, I pray that you would um, minister your grace and your peace and your truth to our hearts and to our souls, Father. And, well, let me, God, minister your truth to us, Father. This is a vital thing for us to know that's being proclaimed here in this passage, God. And I, I pray that you would um, whatever needs to be done, supernaturally weave the depth of your truth into our souls, Father, that we might believe that the death and resurrection of your Son is enough and it's final, God. I minister that to us, please, God. Um, guide us this morning as we go. Keep us from distraction from the enemy. Um, keep us from distraction of the day, Father, and guide us to your truth. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, Galatians 1, or Galatians 3, 1 through 6, uh, continuing in the series, Broken Religion, and I think that this one really is, um, a lot of the stuff has been outside, focused at the Judaizers, but I believe that, that this is really focusing in on us. And I want to start with a quote from Martin Luther. He wrote, by the way, kind of the, the foremost commentary on the book of Galatians, um, and that's where this comes from. He says, we must learn that forgiveness of sins, Christ and the Holy Ghost, are freely granted unto us at the preaching of faith in spite of our sinfulness. Uh, if I were to try to summarize this sermon and, and these six verses in one simple sentence, I would say what Luther has just said. Uh, you have forgiveness, you have Jesus, and you have the Holy Spirit in spite of your sin. Um, and that is, uh, if we were in a church that was a little bit more vocal, you guys would all have said amen to that. Um, so let me say it again. Let's just practice that, all right? Your forgiveness, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are yours in spite of your sin. Um, and uh, that's, that's really, that's simple. Um, and it's the truth. I want you to know this. It's vital to know this. There are things in our life that will distract us. Our sin, our bad theology that we're taught, our bad theology that we teach ourselves, other things that creep in. But the Spirit has come to minister these things to us. And, and this passage, uh, a lot of the stuff that we've talked about so far in Galatians, broken religion, has been Jesus-centric. But this passage is very Holy Spirit-centric. And I want to teach just for a bit on what 
that word means spirit. It's the Greek word pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A, the Greek word pneuma. And it's the same word that we use, uh, the same root that we use for our illness that we call pneumonia. You guys know what pneumonia is and what it actually does? Um, I've studied that this week. You have sacs in your lungs and they're supposed to get filled with air when you take in a breath and they're supposed to exhale that air when you exhale your breath. But pneumonia happens when uh, liquid fills in those sacs and so you can't get air. So you take in a deep breath and you can't, you ever been there before where you just can't take a deep breath? And so like our bodies have to have oxygen to survive and that's the, our, our body's way of getting oxygen to, our, to the rest of our body is through our lungs. And when these sacs are filled with liquid, we can't get there. So that's pneumonia. So pneumonia is what it, what's happening to you is doesn't allow the life-giving air to get to the parts of your body that it desperately needs. Like you can't survive without it. And I think that's a beautiful picture of this idea of pneuma. I think it's beautiful that pneumonia and what it is uses the Greek word that is translated here as spirit. So when we hear spirit, and we're going to hear it a lot today, think about that, that it's air, and we don't give, get life-giving oxygen, which is supposed to fight infection in our body. And how many times have we said so far through this series that broken religion is an infection? And the spirit's job is to take that from us. Uh, Galatians 3, 1 says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Who has bewitched you? And this, this simple sentence is deeply profound for us and provides the heart of, of where we're going this morning. And this word bewitched is really important. The word bewitched means charmed or to gain control over by the use of sorcery or magic or to distract. So the Galatians have been bewitched, sorcery, magic, things that give you distraction. Um, it reminds me of this video. Watch this. Let's do this simply. Squeeze your hand. Squeeze it tight. Do you feel the poker chip in your hand? Would you be surprised if I could take it out of your hand? Say yes. Good. Open your hand. Thank you very much. I'll cheat if you give me a chance. Make it harder for me. Just use your hand. Grab my wrist, but squeeze. Squeeze firm. Did you see it go? No. No, it's not here. Open your hand. See, while we're focused on the hand, it's sitting on your shoulder right now. Go ahead and take it off. Now, let's try that again. Hold your hand out flat, open it up all the way. Put your hand up a little bit higher, but watch it close there, Joe. See, if I did it slowly, it'd be back on your shoulder. So I want to show it to you again, and I want you to see what's happening, all right? Watch his right, watch the, the, the magician guy's right hand every time. Just follow his right hand and watch it. Hit it again. Let's do this simply. Squeeze your hand. Squeeze it tight. Do you feel the poker chip in your hand? Would you be surprised if I could take it out of your hand? Say yes. Good. Open your hand. Thank you very much. I'll cheat if you give me a chance. Watch his right hand. Make it harder for me. Just use your hand. Grab my wrist, but squeeze. Squeeze firm. Did you see it go? No. No, it's not here. Open your hand. See, while we're focused on the hand, it's sitting on your shoulder right now. Go ahead and take it off. Now, let's try that again. 
This one's Hold your hand out flat. Open right it up hand. all the way. Put your hand up a little bit higher, but watch it close there, Joe. See, if I did it slowly, it'd be back on your shoulder. All right. So I show that because that's exactly what's happening when, when Paul says, who has bewitched you? So like a magician's rule, like his, his goal is to distract you over here while he does something over here. He uses loud songs, he uses quick words, he uses a pretty girl, he uses whatever to distract your attention over here while he does something different over here. And that's what's happened to the Galatians and that's what happens to us all the time. We get distracted by something over here when the reality of what's happening is over here. And that's what's happened to the Galatians and it's what happens to us all the time. And we have to proclaim the truth to ourselves and we have to expose ourselves to the truth. And that's why I showed it the second time. It's really cool to watch it. Wow, how'd that happen? But then when you know it's in his right hand and when he puts his right hand on the guy's shoulder, it's so easy, right, to see that. The second time, it was so easy to find, to watch him put, the, put on his shoulder. And that's the biblical truth that's being, being spoken to the Galatians here and to us this morning is that truth. Don't be distracted. Don't be deceived. I want you to hear this truth, and I need you to hear this truth because we're so easily distracted. The truth is this. We have one enemy, and his name is Satan, and he has one weapon, and that's to get us to believe something is not true about God or ourselves. We have one hope, and his name is Jesus, And he has fully accomplished all that is needed for us to be who we were created to be right now. If you don't hear anything this morning, if you don't hear anything this month, hear this. Actually, um, it's on the screen. Let's let's say this together because I think it's really important. Some of us learn this way by by speaking it. This is vital for us. Let's sing it. Let's let's speak it. Don't sing it because I have the microphone. We have one enemy, and his name is Satan, and he has one weapon to get us to believe something that is not true about God or ourselves. We have one hope, and his name is Jesus, and he has fully accomplished all that is needed for us to be who we are created to be right now. This is an absolute and simple truth, and it's the work that's been done for you in order that you might have relationship with God. There's nothing else that needs to happen. And anything else that convinces you or tries to convince you otherwise is a simple distraction meant by the enemy to distract you, just like that magician that we saw. The poker chip is in his right hand, and it's going to the guy's shoulder. See that, know that. The rest of the, the passage, Paul asks four simple rhetorical questions, the first of which is in uh, Galatians 3.2. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? We receive the gift of the Spirit. We receive the gift of the Spirit through nothing of our own work. We just get it. There's nothing we need to do to get it. It's just Ours. We received it by faith, by trusting and surrendering. Faith is where trust and surrender come together. And we receive 
the gift of the Holy Spirit, again, pneuma, pneumonia, the life-giving spirit that fights infection in our body, allows us to see distraction, allows us to see lies. We get that simply by hearing. Uh, Martin Luther says this. This is a really, really cool quote. It's in your bulletin as well if you want to refer to it later on this week. The law does not bring on the Holy Ghost. And Luther uses the, the, the word ghost and Scripture's using spirit here. The gospel, however, brings on the gift of the Holy Ghost because it's the nature of the gospel to convey good gifts. I love, Scott, that you chose good, good father. The nature of the gospel is to give good gifts. The nature of the gospel is to give good gifts. The law and the gospel are contrary ideas. They have contrary functions and purposes. The gospel brings donations. It pleads for open hands to take what is being offered. I love the simplicity of of that phrase. Listen to that. The gospel pleads for open hands to take what's being offered. The gospel of Jesus Christ just says to you simply, open up your hand. I'm going to give you something. I think about my, my, my dad when my kids were really young and, and playing soccer. My dad would have a pocket full of Tootsie Rolls all the time. And he would, they would walk up to him every game and hold their hand out. And what would my dad put in there every time? A Tootsie Roll. Countless countless times just put it and and that's can can I like just simply say to us to, to me to my own heart the gospel just wants you to put out your open hand in front of him and it's better than a tootsie roll the law has nothing to give it demands and its demands are impossible I love that word demand you must Give this to me, and you must give this to me now. That's what the law commands of you. But the gospel commands, open up your hand so I can give you something. It's incredible. The second question is, having begun by the Holy Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? You are becoming holy, more like God, not because of what you do, but because of what the Spirit does in you. And again, say it again, think of this word pneumonia and what it does, and when you take a breath, everybody just take a deep breath. And then let it out. This is, that's the extent of what you do to receive the Holy Spirit. And we don't see what's happening with that oxygen that we just brought in, but it's providing everything that's necessary for us to live. And I think at the heart of this verse, having been begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Grace, not works, change you. Grace, not works, change me. Let's say that together. Grace, not works, change me, all right? Grace, not works, change me. Think about that for just a minute. How do you change to become more Christ-like? It's grace. It's the spirit. It's what God has given to you. And as I was preparing, I'm thinking through this. I I think we we need to ask ourselves the question, why would we want to become more Christ-like? I don't want to take that for granted that we're all like in the same boat. Like we did show up for church today. 
So there's some sort of inherent idea that we want to be more Christ-like. But you and I are in our most flourishing and filled state of being when we are in pure, undefiled relationship with God. And the path to that is this Holy Spirit who changes us. It's not the product of works that change us, but the product of the Spirit. The product of the Holy Spirit in us changes us. Are you sad? Are you scared? Are you anxious? And the answer to that question, and I know, I'm just looking at at eyeballs here, and I know there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of frustration, a lot of wonder, um, accidents that have happened this week, um, children with medical issues this week, life stress that's going on. What is God doing in my life? What is happening? What's going on? There's anxiety that's real in our worlds. Are you sad? Are you scared? Are you anxious? Those are all gospel issues. Every one of them. Whatever it is, and and I know I'm talking about half of you at least. What you're processing is a gospel issue. And the law is trying to speak to you. Your enemy, who's a liar, who's trying to get you to believe something about you that's not true or about God that's not true, is he's, he's trying to, to say that you need to do something to fix that situation. There's something wrong with you. There's something you've done right. You're not doing this thing right. But the gospel, it's, it's making a demand of you. But the gospel has an open hand to you. It wants to give you Gifts. He's giving you his grace. He's purifying you. He's perfecting you. That's a, it's an incredible idea to be being made perfect. Incredible. The third question that he asked in verse four, did you suffer so many things in vain if indeed it was in vain? If you're focused on works of the law, if you're focused on not sinning, the suffering that you will experience will be without value. Can I say that to you again? If you're focused on the law, on doing better, on just simply not sinning, the suffering that's real in your life, and it's real in many of your lives, it will be in vain. Who, wa- like, who wants to suffer in vain? Like, Part of the the point of of enduring suffering is to know what's coming on the other side. I think about like how we lift weights and how we we do like we exercise and we exercise to literally tear our bodies, to tear our muscles. And we do that so that when they rebuild themselves, they're stronger. Who would want to exercise if it made you unhealthy? Seriously, who would want to exercise if the result of exercise was unhealthiness? We exercise so that we can be healthy. And that idea of suffering, when we're focused on our works, it produces vanity. It produces nothing. It produces unhealthiness. The fourth question that he asked is in verse 5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. And all these questions are so obvious. 
Every question we know, it's simple. That's why he started with who has bewitched you, who has tricked you. It's so simple. Like we, we don't, you don't need me to, to stand up in front of you with a seminary degree to explain to you that you, that you don't get the spirit who works miracles by works of the law, but by hearing with faith. But the truth is, we, we spend most of our lives not believing it. Because we have an enemy whose name is Satan who wants us to believe something about God or self that's not true. Um, you guys have heard of the, the fruits of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. That's what happens in you when the Spirit is in you. Love and joy and peace. And who wants to be, who, who wants those things to be really prevalent in their lives? Who wants to, to live a really peaceful life? A really joyful life? A really gentle and self-controlled life? I, I really do. But I know that's within me is the opposite of that. And so, like, I, I think that we, we disregard or, or we don't conceive of the depth of the miracle that takes place in us in these fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, for, for joy and, and gentleness to come out of me is a miracle. When they show up in us, they're miracles. I want to end uh, with a couple of things. Verse 6 um, Verse 3, or chapter 3, verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Do you know that, I, like I wrestle with this a lot. The, the plan of God for all time, from the history of the world, the plan of God was for his children to believe him. This is, this is some cool history. That, by the way, Genesis 15, 6 says, and he believed the Lord and was counted to him as righteousness. righteousness talking about Abraham. Here's the thing. Genesis just called Abraham righteous because he believed God. But we want to think that we have to believe God and do something. Do you know that when this was uttered, the law didn't even exist yet? Moses was not alive yet. Moses brought the law to the people, right? Abraham lived before Moses. So if, if Moses is righteous, the law hasn't even come yet. How can the law make you righteous? It just doesn't, it's, it's illogical. And if, if we understand that notion, that it's got... Nothing to do with the law. Do you know the law that Moses brought to us that, that the first five books of the Old Testament talk about? Their only job is to show you that, you're, that you can't do this. And once they've done that job, we're, they got nothing else for us. But we want to keep going back there. You want to keep going back there. I want to keep going back there. Like there's something that I'm going to earn from this. But over and over and over again, we keep talking about broken religion. 
trying to get you to carry a weight that Jesus does not intend for you to carry. Here's the weight that Jesus intends for you to carry. That's so subtle and simple and beautiful. This is it. Our righteousness comes from just believing him. Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. There's nothing that you can do. And the cool part about that is that same scripture shows up three different times. First in Genesis 15, 6, then in Romans 4, 3, and then in our passage we just read, Galatians 3, 6. Believing God. He is who he says that he is and he's done what he said he would do. Trust, surrender, belief. Um, I want to say this over us one more time for fear of being redundant. You have one enemy and his name is Satan and he has one weapon to get you to believe something that's not true about God or yourselves and you have one hope and his name is Jesus and he's accomplished all that is needed for us to be who we are created to be right now. So let's end with this. Let's think through what are some of the lies that I believe? What are some of the lies that that I believe, and I think that that we believe. First, I'm not doing this right. I believe that lie all the time, and you believe that lie all the time. I still sin, so I must not be doing something right. Do you you believe that? Am Am I in left field? I still sin, and when I sin, I feel really bad about it. And then where my brain goes is I just must not be doing something right. I'm not as happy as I should be. I'm jealous of people. I'm unsettled. But what Paul has just spoken to us is the Spirit is perfecting you. The Spirit is perfecting you. The second thing that uh, we believe, I think, is that I have to suffer for my sin. This is subtle at times. I think that we think we need to be sorry, really, really sorry, or we think we need to be, like, somehow punish ourselves. Here's what I, how this works itself out to me. And this is in, in my marriage, this happens a lot. I'll do something wrong, I'll do something stupid, I'll do something uh, whatever. And, and I will seek to punish myself by feeling bad. And I think that if I feel bad enough, if I feel sorry enough that somehow Jen's going to show me grace, if I punish myself enough, and I, I'm, I'm pretty convinced that we do that with God, that when we sin, when we struggle with pride or lust or power or loving or we struggle with those things that if we feel bad enough that that's going to somehow trigger God's grace but until we feel bad enough God's grace isn't going to be triggered and on the surface for you for you to hear me say that that sounds ridiculous right that if we feel bad enough we're going to trigger God's grace But we live there. And Jesus doesn't intend for you to live there. The punishment for your sin has been handed down and carried out and finished. 
The punishment for your sin has been handed down and carried out. It's finished. The third lie I think we believe is my efforts can earn the blessing of God. Hashtag blessed. No! Here's the deal. Do you guys remember what happened last Sunday night? What happened last Sunday night? Super Bowl. Thank you. Good job. It was played in Houston. Do you guys know that? Do you know that that the New England Patriots are still in Houston right now, throwing passes, running routes, trying to score a touchdown? Do you know that's what's happening right now? Like right now, Tom Brady is throwing passes to Julian Edelman, trying to score a touchdown. No, of course not. That's ridiculous. But that's the way we live. It's over, Tom. You won. Go home. And, and, like, that's where we live. That's broken religion for us. It's trying to score a touchdown when the game's already over. It's over. There's nothing that you can do, any better or any worse. It's done. But broken religion lies to you and thinks that if you do something better, God's going to give you something better. It's just not true. It's just not true. Because the underlying lie that we believe is that Jesus is not enough. All of those, all the lies that we've talked about and every lie that you may have thought about or you might think about later, at its core is you believe that Jesus is just not enough. When we believe that he's not enough, it changes the way that we act and we react. There's something we need to do. There's something that we didn't do properly. There's something like that that's going on. But at the heart of it, the gospel speaks to you this. Jesus is enough. Like this should have been a a 45 second sermon. Jesus is enough. I want you to... uh, to close your eyes, and I'm going to read a simple verse over you. And then we'll be done. Just bow your head and close your eyes, if you would. In the stillness of the moment before I read the verse, um, ask God silently in a prayer to allow this verse to penetrate the lies that you believe. John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Again, in the stillness and quietness of your own brain, pray this to yourself. Thank you, God, for making me one of your children.
When the enemy lies to you, and he will, remind him of this verse. Tell him that I have believed in Christ. And because of that, he has given me the right to be a child of his. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You are a good father. You are a good God. Lord, help us to believe that you have done everything that's necessary to be your children. There's nothing that we can do or need to do and anything contrary to that is a lie. God, I pray that this truth would be life-giving and hopeful to us. God, make us good truth-tellers. God, send us to your word to see and hear your truth. You're a beautiful God and a worthy God. And we love you. And we thank you for your gospel. May we just be open-handed to receive the gifts that the gospel gives to us. In Christ's name that I pray, amen.